Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you You'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, this is Lenny Henry, and I want to let you know about my new children's book, The Book of Legends. Join Bran and Fran on their huge magical adventure as they enter a portal into a whole new world in bookstores on the 13th of October. Dope Black Podcast. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to the Dope Black Dads podcast. My name is Umar, aka The Kank, and I'm here this evening or this afternoon or this morning, whenever it is that you're listening to this podcast, I'm talking with Kareem Chadley. Now, Kareem is the CEO, founder and director of Dads Evoking Change. And basically, Dads Evoking Change is a network of volunteers and consultants who have lived experiences and or expertise in the areas of healthy youth development and child custody and child support systems. Dad's Evoking Change, or DEC, was founded by Kareem to memorialize his son. Kareem became a father just at the age of 18, and he dedicated his life to positively parenting his son and empowering youth across the Bay Area in California through his community outreach work with nonprofits such as Youth Radio, the RYSE Center, Camp Sweeney, and media outlets such as iHeartMedia. So Dad's Evoking Change share the same initials as Kareem's son, who tragically was killed by gun violence in 2018 at the tender age of just 17. Kareem has spent the last decade leading up to his son's death in a stressful and turbulent child custody battle. He had no knowledge of the system, no financial means to hire an attorney, and he was marginalized by the family court system. So the traumatic experience that Kareem went through of losing his son while what that felt like was unfair treatment during the process of trying to get custody has actually inspired Kareem to advocate for under-resourced fathers and create change within family courts across the nation. Kareem, welcome to the podcast. How are you today, sir? Brother Umar, man, it's very good to be here. Thank you guys for having me on. Um, doing well, looking forward to, you know, an engaging conversation and uh, yeah, chatting a little bit more with you. Now, your nickname, you, you, you said your nickname, I, the, the Koontz? The, the Koontz, did you say? The Koontz, I'm going to get The Kank, well, you, have kank to, yeah. you have to explain that. You got to Okay, all right. So <laughs> You can't just throw that out there. You got to explain it, my brother. Like. Okay, so the Kank, so effectively, it's a shortening of my surname because my surname is Kankia. Okay. Uh, and I okay. had it, basically, I was working, funnily enough, I was working in a youth organization so this would have been about oh i want to say about 15 years ago now so before i became a lawyer and uh, one of my colleagues she 
gave me the nickname. She was like, oh, Kank. So it's kind of stuck with me since then. And I'm like, yeah, I quite like that. So yeah. I like it. it yeah. So it's just kind of, it's, <laughs> like it's stuck it. with me and it's just kind of flow through even like, you know, within family, we're known as the Kank family. So it's kind of like, it's one of those, it's one of those things. So yeah. So I, I quite like it. And, Gotta and represent. It, it, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and there's a little bit of like, um, cause I'm a huge wrestling fan as people know. Uh, and it's kind of like, you know, the rock, the Kank, even though I look nothing uh, like, okay. even though I look nothing it. like yeah. him, uh, but you know, I do, better, <laughs> I do a better eyebrow than him. And I, and I maintain that I, yeah. I did it yeah. before he did. Uh, but yeah. So yeah, so that's, so that's where that <laughs> comes from. So yeah, for what, for, for the listeners, that's for the viewers, fair, yeah. that's what's up. Yeah. I've never actually explained it before. Nobody's ever asked. So thank you for that. Man. Yeah. Yeah. No, I got you. You know, a little shameless plug for you. You know, I got you. <laughs> no, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. But yeah, as I say, thank you so much for coming on. I think your story is, is amazing and i think you know people are going to want to hear a little bit more about this and kind of have an understanding because obviously you know for me i'm based here in the uk and you know there's a lot of issues in terms of dads getting custody of their children and kind of going through the family court system so it'd be interesting to hear what it's like on the other side of the pond but from your perspective what yes. led to you starting the dads evoke change organization in the first place yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, as you mentioned in my bio, I was prior to my son um, transitioning from the physical realm. Um, I was engulfed in a few years of um, of a custody battles. But let me take it. It really starts a little bit before that. Let me let me take you back to the beginning. Uh, I became I became a parent at 19. Um, it was one of those things where, you know, at the time, um, I felt very ready to be a father I, for, for some reason, even being a young man and not really having, you know, figured out much as far as, as life. Um, I felt very, um, ready to do, you know, this, this father thing. I always, for some reason knew I was going to be a parent early. I think I've always, I always had that inclination in my mind. And so when it happened, I was ready to take on the responsibility. So I joined the military, um, because at 19, that was the quickest way for a young black man from from Oakland, California to like feed three mouths and be able to like be the head of household. One of the quickest way in my scenario was to to join the military. So I ended up doing that. Yeah. Um, I'll fast forward a few years because that, that that's kind of a long story. But um, moving forward, my, let's fast forward to when my son was about two. I had gotten out of the military. Me and my ex-wife had split up um, and I returned home to California um, after being away in the military, obviously my family was with me during that time, minus about three to four months towards the end of my military career, me and my ex-wife split up. She moved back to California. So when I got back to California four months later, you know, um, I was, you know, faced with a, with a decision, like either go to court. It seemed like at the time, um, you know, my ability to see my son on a consistent basis sometimes was hindered depending on my relationship with my ex-wife, if we were going anything, how she felt, et cetera. So I said, you know, hey, I'm, I've always been a great father. You know, I've been there from day one. Um, I've been the main supporter of this family since the inception of my of my son. And I thought it was going to be a pretty fairly smooth process. Um, I, I quickly found out um, just going to court one time again, my son was only two years old. I quickly found out, you know, I got into court. They were treating me like a deadbeat dad. I was trying to say, well, hey, like all you have to do is look at the trajectory, you know, look at the history of what, what just happened the past three years and see that that's that's not me. Um, long story short, I was given uh, uh, visitations. Right. every other week mm. so very infrequent visitation again my son is two years old i'm just getting out the military 
And so I walked out, me and my ex-wife, and I looked at my ex-wife, and I, I really just had a heart-to-heart, and I started crying. I said, you know, I, why are you doing this to me? You know, I, I, I was always involved. I've taken care of you this whole time, uh, us this whole time. Um, why, why just because we're not together are you taking it out? And we, have, we were able to have a conversation, very good heart-to-heart, and we came to an agreement and said, you know what, we're never going back to the court. We're going to make it a point, because both of us came from broken homes, we're gonna make it a point to co-parent as best as we can. And so from two to 14, that's what happened. Uh, we had a very good co-parenting relationship. Um, things were pretty much on the up and up. Um, you know, we had our we, we had our disagreements every now and then, but for, for the most part, you know, we would do birthdays together. We would go to baseball games. We'd all sit in the same section. You think things like that. Like we, we, we attended school functions together, or at least when we got there, we sat together as a family unit. So this was the trajectory from the time my son was, was two to about 14. Uh, getting up to the point where he was 14, uh, at the time, my ex-wife, she had remarried and she was going through a divorce. My son was 14. Again, those teenage years yeah. where it started to be. I was always the primary discipline figure, but when he got teenage years and got taller than his mom, and it, it, things just seemed to not work out between them very well. Um, she, my son was really close to his stepfather at the time and that they were going through a divorce and my son was kind of upset with his mom at the time. Long story short, we, me and her, we made a decision and said, hey, let's, let's have him come live with me for a while. At the time he was in private school. Um, in San Francisco, extremely expensive private school. I wanted him to continue to go. So I had to move into San Francisco. I just lived in Oakland, which is just across the bridge. So I moved to San Francisco. He came, moved, moved in with me. Things were good. You know, a couple months go by, three, four months. Um, and his mom, uh, I, I, I don't know. The situation seemed to work out too well with him living with me. He never really wanted to go back and spend time with his mom mm-hmm. for a long time. I was forcing him telling, you know, you have to spend time with your mom mm-hmm. X, Y, Z. Um, and then I, I, I'll kind of consolidate this part. Essentially what happened was she, 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 because you know, her son was rightfully so, you know, as a parent, it's hard to, you know, if your parent, if your kid is saying like, you know, I don't want to spend any time with you and they just want to be with the other parent that can cause some turmoil. But what happened was she really, I felt like she took that out on me. Yeah. And so about six months into that situation, uh, I was getting ready to buy a house with my then fiance. Um, and I get a letter one morning saying I owe $50,000 in child support that I had never been involved with my son and $50,000 automatically, no questions asked. It was on my credit report. The people called me from the house that I was applying to and like, hey, this $50,000 just came up. We can't approve you for this house because this is, yeah. it looks like debt on your mm-hmm. credit report. Mm-hmm. So I was then I was just faced with a, a you know, a, um, a very challenging um, time that's kind of started my, my, my very challenging experience with the court systems, because, again, even being naive, you know, years had passed since the last time I was in court. You know, I've always me and my me and my ex for a couple of years during that time, there was child support. But even when my son was about five, six she decided, we decided, I was like, why, why are you have me on child support? Like we're paying for things fine. There's no, there's no need for this other government entity to be collecting money from me. Like I can just, you know, we were have a cordial relationship. So she dropped that. Mm. And I quickly found out that when a parent here in America, I'm not sure how it is across the pond in America, if a parent drops 
a child support order, if they don't say the specific words, I want to zero out the balance, meaning I want to take the balance to zero, then what happens is the child support agency still every month adds up whatever that last order was, right? They will never collect. They will never approach the, 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 the non-custodial parent, which they call it. Uh, they will never approach you, but they will add it up. So when my son was 14, and mind you, 12 years had passed, my son was 14, all she had to do was call and say, I want to reopen this child support case. Instantly, all the money plus interest, which is like 22% interest, the highest interest in the States, Mm. California, the child support interest. Um, And so uh, that's where the 50,000 came from. So So, I'm like, okay, this is really, this is very easy to, like I have, you know, I, I, I gave money to her through checks for years. And then even after that, there was always a money trail between between us about how we were spending money as my son was concerned. Mm-hmm. And so I go in and again, I'm thinking it's easy. And then I, I realized that they were not gonna, mm. here in America, the child support agency and the child custody agency are two separate mm. systems. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to the child support agency saying, hey, I have my son full time. I've had him for the like the last six months. And even prior to that, we always split time 50 50. Mm. Why would I owe fifty thousand dollars? They're like, oh, well, we there's no record of you paying. I was like, yeah, because she dropped the order <laughs> 12 mm. years ago. Mm. Yeah, well, she dropped it, but she didn't zero out the balance. And so that's when I found out. So that that, that money. They were garnishing my wages. Every check, they would take $400, $500. My son was living with me full time, so I had to continue to go back and tell them, hey, I can't feed my son because you guys are taking this money that I supposedly owe. And they were like, you know, for, for about two months, I couldn't get anybody to give me any answers. It was like very like, it was a very soul crushing, diminishing experience. Like as a black man going in there, they instantly treat you like, it seemed like they're instantly looking at you like, oh, you're uh, dead. So man. yeah, so, so, so that, so the child, the child custody agency, child support agency, it just sounds like a bit of a madness in terms of you need to actually turn around and say, I need to, I want to zero balance out um, the child support before they actually, it just sounds ridiculous. And I wonder how many people have been caught out by that over the years. And suddenly, you know, they get this massive bill of saying, oh, by the way, you owe, you owe 70 grand for your child's support because you haven't paid it and and i'm pretty sure they probably don't make it that explicit that this is what you need to do uh to be able to to do that so so i mean what do you think was the trigger then in terms of your ex-partner because it sounds as if you had a pretty decent relationship up until the age of your son being 14 like it sounds like you had a very good relationship but then what happened do you think it was your the fact that you had a new fiance or the fact that she was going through her own marital problems. What do you think was a trigger? You know, I, I, I won't speculate too much on that. I think a large part of it, what, what, what it had to do with, you know, she was just hurt because her son didn't want to come back and live with her, you know, now she, and, and she's, she was a good mom, you know, like I had, I'm not, I'm not going to come on here and bash her. Like there was things obviously I wish could have changed. And as my story goes on, you guys will kind of understand what I'm talking about. But at the same time, she was definitely not a bad mom. Like she, you know, she, we always kept my son and, uh, you know, my son had a very good upbringing, very privileged, you know, uh, he, he got chances to do a lot of things I never got to do as a kid and just being in, um, being um, very well taken care of. And so I really think it has to do with the fact that, you know, all his life, even though we were very cordial, 
I think in her mind, he would always just want to stay with her. You know, mm. in her mind, I don't think she ever thought that a time would come where he would say, not only just stay with me, but not even go visit with her. And so mm. I think this had the real, this this is really what caused a disconnect between uh, me and my ex-wife. And as I continue my story and I, and I talk about, you know, the programs that I created, mm. um, you guys will see that every program that I created and was adamant about creating, even prior to me getting, receiving any funding, was these programs mm. that I really knew that I needed when I was navigating this situation. So mm -hmm. um, mo moving forward, you know, we entered the court system. Like I said, I entered it from the, the child support side, but quickly realized that if I didn't have full custody on paper, they were still going to keep garnishing my wages. They didn't believe what I was saying. Eventually, I went into the child support office and I was like, let me speak to your manager. Let me speak to your manager until I got to the top woman the director of the child support agency here in san francisco and i broke down because i was just very emotional i had gone through like months of turmoil and nobody listening to me and so i just started crying i'm like look i keep telling you guys i don't have money to feed my son you guys are taking this money and he lives with me full time and she was like oh all you need to do is call an emergency ex parte hearing and i was like well why didn't the first agent tell me this three months ago? You know what I mean? But anyway, so I started that process mm -hmm. and that took me into the child custody process. Now in that process, people can have lawyers. And so my ex-wife had a lawyer. I did not have a lawyer. And so I quickly found out that that was a losing battle. Uh, not even, I won't even just say as a black man, but I would say as someone, as a self-represented litigant, <laughs> in the court system in America. Uh, and, and if you're black or brown, these things can be extremely, extremely. So I go in there again, I'm thinking this is a very easy conversation. Hey, all, all you have to do is look into the records and see, well, my son is with me full time when he started living with me full time. So eventually they made her stand up and say, hey, well, has he been involved or not? Because in this thing, you said he's just never been involved. So she had to raise her right hand. They made her swear again to the whole thing. I swear to tell the truth. Yeah. And she said it was a yeah. false. I falsified the information. And so things then changed a little bit. They started looking at me like I was a little credible. And I'm like, well, yes, this is what I've been trying to tell everybody for months and months and months. Um, and so... But even that didn't fully help me because, again, they had a lawyer. They were really just painting me as the angry black guy. I mean, to the point where they were using things in court, like the lawyer on, on my ex-wife's side was saying things like, yeah, your honor, Mr. Chadley in his spare time teaches his son about people like Marcus Garvey and Malcolm X. And I looked at the judge because I'm thinking like, yeah, I, I used to make my son do historic um book reports on historical black figures that weren't talked about in school and i looked at the judge thinking like well that's random why would they use that against me and i'm looking at the judge and she's shaking her head like like this is the most atrocious thing that she's mm. heard because i teach my son about these historical black figures that are not talked about in in our mm. history books and in our classrooms and so then mm. I just knew, I was like, this is a terrible situation. And I just felt so marginalized. I felt like it was just a soul crushing experience. I would go into court mm. shaking. I would leave court crying. It was, I mean, you're a lawyer, you know, the, you know some of the game, you know, in, in family court, yeah. especially if someone has the upper hand, all they're gonna do is continue, 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 continue. So the lawyer just played mm. that game. So three months turned into six months, six months turned into eight months. Around eight months, of me going to court now mind you i'm working two jobs i'm full mm. i have my son full time so i'm taking him to work uh, excuse me school in the morning 
picking him up mm. after school, going to court in the middle of the day, having to call off work for my court dates. And I just said, you know what? Child support had already recognized that she had falsified her papers. So mm-hmm. that $50,000 that I owed went down to 36 because Again, there was years involved where I didn't hand checks over to his mom. We just paid for things jointly. So if his baseball cost $500, she would pay $250 to the Baseball Association. I paid $250 to the Baseball Association. So I didn't have any checks showing a paper trail between me and her. So they took those seven years and said, okay, the bill for that is $16,000. The interest was $20,000. So then it went from $50,000 to $36,000. And it's still like, when am I going to ever have $36,000 laying around just to be able to pay this bill off? Mm. Now, luckily, I was able to do that. Um, Moving down the line, I I was able to get out of that debt. But the problem with that is most people will never get out of the debt. And in America, they do things like if you're too late on child support, if you have too much back support that you have not paid, they will take your driver's mm. license. You take your driver's license, you can't drive to work. They'll, then they'll pick you up or they'll just bring you to jail for, 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 for mm. not paying child support. So in America, there's a lot of these rules, right, where they're like stripping people's rights to even like work, to mm. do these things all in the name of child support. Now, it's just crazy because when you think about, sorry, I, I think when you think about that, because obviously if you are not paying for child support and then suddenly you're taking that the right of a person, you know, the person's right to be able to drive. And if they can't drive and get to work, then they're not going to be able to work. And then if they can't work, then how do you expect them to pay the debt that's outstanding? It's just to me, it just sounds like a, it just sounds really unfair. And, and I just don't see how that is but from your vantage point because obviously you know you're a black man that's gone through the court system how did you find that do you feel like the the court system kind of looked down on you because you were a black man and kind of felt like they were just discarding and disregarding everything that you were saying because you were a black man Uh, absolutely um you know i felt i you know going into it again like i said because i was always involved with my son i cut my son's umbilical cord like i said i went to the military you know six months before he came so i could feel like i was always very proactive involved father every baseball every sport game every musical instrument every play every I'm, everyone not one missed and so for me i felt it was going to be a like I didn't have to prove, you know, there's some situations where, you know, one of the parents maybe isn't as involved. I understand that. Right. But that was never my situation. And so I felt very confident that going into this. Yeah. So just so. Yeah. So as a black man going through the court system, did you feel like the court system was looking down on you and not really wanting to support you and actually were quite happy to see you maybe fail at this? Absolutely. You know, I won't I won't go so far to say that, that, you know, they want to see me fail, but I definitely felt like nobody was really trying to give me any information on how to navigate this situation. Um, uh, uh, Quite the contrary. People looked at me as if I was lying. I would come in and say, hey, my son's living with me full time, for instance. And they would just be like they would look at me like, sure, he is. And I would be like, well, no, like, would you like to check his school records? Like, would you like to speak with his teachers? Like, why are you treating me like I'm a deadbeat? And even going into the courts, um, you know, being a black man and being a father, 
which for me, I felt like it was like two strikes in the family court was like, because I feel like in society, there's been a presumption uh, just in our history of human beings that the mother is the primary caregiver. Yeah. She should be the primary caregiver. And that's great, right? I think in 2022, though, we have to maybe re-examine these roles because that's taking a very archaic look on parents and who the mother and father is. As a matter of fact, there's all type of studies um, that show how much a father's involvement is very good for the child, yeah, both father and mother, not just father, right? There are specific studies that show, you know, direct um, consequences for fathers not being involved, but I'm a firm believer that a child needs both, right? But why exclude the father and just make the father pay child support? So for me as a black man, it seems, you know, historically here in America, we have as well as across the pond, we have um, a history of people separating black families. Yes, absolutely. Separating black families, what did they do with the slaves, right? The slaves, they took the father slave and they sold him to the furthest uh, plantation away from the mother and the father. Why? Because then the mother and the kids, they depend on who? Mm. The slave master yeah. is the daddy. He feeds us. He clothes us. So yeah. we got to listen to this man. Yeah. We, we, we don't need to. We don't need to. We need to listen to the man. And now... Um, in, in America, um, they take the father out and mothers get all type of benefits if there's no fathers around. They get housing, they get food stipends, they get food, free food, they get actual money that's just given to them every month. So there's a bunch of reasons why as a single mom, and there's families all across the United States that do this, as a single mom, you got to make a decision. Usually the father is left off all of the paperwork. Why? So then the mother is still eligible to get all these government services. Now, once they receive all these government services like free food, WIC and all that stuff, and that's great, right? That's great that they do that for mothers. But if the benefit or if the if the um, the way they're doing it is really to coerce people not to be together, not to live in the same household, not to co-parent, not to coexist, that's when it starts to become a little bit of a problem. And then you start to wonder, like, well, what about the the school to prison pipeline here in America, we have, if you go to a public school, there's a like 70, I, let me not say the stat because I don't have the stat in front of me, but there's a high percentage that you will end up in prison, yeah. depending on where you go to school, depending yeah, on what true. zip code you go to school. Mm. And we call that the school to pipeline prison. So if a kid grows up with no father, no father's not involved in the house, there's, they say there's a statistic that says 80% chance more likely to be a victim of violent crime a perpetrator of violent crime end up in jail end up on drugs end up uh, suicidal end up teen uh, as a teen pregnant and the list just goes on and it's all like 80 percent without the father so if they we have these stats right this is not just things that i'm making up this is very easily researchable stats if we have these stats saying how good it is for a father to be involved then in our actual systems why are there so many hurdles for mm. a father to be no I, I and to me i had to start yeah no no absolutely and, and it's it, you know it's a very similar experience i know from people that have had that over here in the uk in terms of the way that the kind of family court system perceived them you know i know a lot of the dads that i've spoken to within the group who've had issues in terms of trying to navigate the family court system it is very very difficult and it's very challenging and i think especially if you're a litigant in person as as it would be called here uh you know as in you're the one that's doing it yourself you don't have a lawyer to assist you it is a very very challenging issue now given all of that and obviously you know 
this is off the background of between the ages of two and 14, you and your wife were co-parenting your son. There were no issues. Suddenly at the age of 14, this has happened. What impact did that have on your, um, what impact did that have on your son? And kind of, do you think that it required, um, what, I mean, do you think that children that are going through this maybe ought to also receive some kind of therapy to kind of help them through because it must have been quite traumatic for him to suddenly go from my parents they they may not be together but they get on they're they're helping me through life as it were and then suddenly my parents are in court fighting uh over me yeah i mean what's your take on that absolutely Absolutely, it has effect, had effect on my son. Absolutely, it had effect on all children that navigate. I mean, even if two parents just fight all the time and they can't see eye to eye, that will have an effect on the child. No, absolutely. And, and so for a long time, I tried to keep my son out of court. I never brought him to court. I never told him about any of the things that were going on. You know, he knew the crux of it because, again, like he was also going through his situation with his mom because he felt a way about why she was getting divorced. Somehow he got caught in the middle of that and both of them were talking to him about, oh, why this is happening. So he then naturally took a side within that and it wasn't his mom's side. And so there was that level of it too. So about maybe three or four months into him coming to stay with me and he was telling me, no, I don't want to spend any time. And I was having to kind of force him like, no, you have to go spend some time with your mom. You're not just going to like not see your mom. And so what I quickly realized was I need to get him into therapy. So I found a reunification therapist. I got him. And so the, the goal was let me get him into therapy for at least five to six sessions. And then after that, let the mom join and they can go to therapy together to start working on their relationship. So that's what I did. I put him in therapy. Um, he was going for five five weeks. And then the mom came in to the first session and basically was super rude to the therapist and was demeaning her and telling her she didn't know what she was talking about. My son, my ex-wife is a white woman. And the therapist brought up race in that thing because it was something that my son was dealing with. And Even on a budget, Quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. 
she was like, no, I'm not talking about race. And just basically ended up walking out of the therapy session. Right. And so the therapist called me and said, I'm sorry. I love your son. I can't work with his mom. And so I had to take him. Well, he continued to go. But the whole point was that it was supposed to be reunification therapy. So him and his mom could start getting on the same page. So to answer your question, absolutely. And I think it's crucial. Um, another thing that we'll talk about moving forward and why I started a program that has um, therapy um, for not only for co-parents, but we're working on uh, therapy, reunification therapy for, for parents, either or parent, the mom and the child, the dad and the child, whoever they, whoever needs it. But I think that is super crucial when folks are navigating to remember the effect it has on your son because uh, on your child, because I know it had an effect on my son, you know, and it wasn't positive. And I felt terrible behind that. Like I said, for a long time, I tried to keep him away from the courts. Um, he eventually had to come test because it was so bad. Like they were just every court date, I, they would just it would just be me disputing a bunch of allegations. Like we couldn't even get to the real point of the thing because the lawyer, they know the game, right? Yeah, they know absolutely. how to work the system. Yeah, so they're just throwing stuff at me. And I'm having to like, you know, so now I look like the frantic guy in court because I'm just like, no, that's not true. No, that's not true. But everything they say is like, yeah, everything they say, they're clearly just trying to continue this on and on and on and on. So I think that it's very crucial that any parents navigating for this understand the turmoil that it has on your kids. Uh, I get, um, you know, I hear a lot of times like, you know, either parent will say like, oh, they don't even they don't even want to see the other parent or they don't even ask to see the other parent at this point. Like they just don't care. And I just want to challenge that and say, that's not true. You might not care. You as the parent might not care if they have a relationship with the other one because of whatever turmoil you're going through. But I think it's absolutely mandatory that children have both consistent physical contact with both parents. Yeah, both. absolutely. And if they're not doing that, they're going to need for something. It's not going to be um, just something that they never have an issue with or, or because you hate the other parent so much they're gonna hate the other parent no that 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 only makes you feel better as a parent but as a child a child needs and wants contact and a relationship with both of their parents and so i I absolutely think it did affect my son and you know that was one of the hardest decisions to make was to have him come into court because eventually we had to i had to like they were just kept saying I was lying. So I was like, well, just hear it from him then. He was 14 in, 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 in America. That's the legal age where kids can decide which parent they want to live with. So after like six months, I was like, okay. He, he came in. He, he was uh, uh, interviewed by a court mediator. Court mediator, three-page report. Why he came to live with me. Why, the, uh, why, her, why her advice was for him to continue staying with me. And we presented, and I, and, I, and I thought that's when it was done. I was like, oh, okay, great. Like, I saw the report. I was like, okay, finally, thank you. Like, this is the court mediator. Like, this is the, in, in, in American court, like, the mediator and the judge, the judge would normally take the mediator's word because they have a chance to actually sit with us and hear out. The judge has, like, five, ten minutes. So everything is speeded up. Like, even what they're saying, what I'm saying, everything is very you know, short time. A mediator, you have an hour or some change to really go over the story, talk things through, et cetera. So once that happened, I felt like things would, would be smooth. I went into court. The The lawyer on the other side just said, oh, I must have I must have manipulated my son to say this because mm. there's no way that he would have said this on his own. And again, this is one of the only ways to con- have a continuance is to say one of the parents manipulated the speech. And so after that, I got so fed up. I got I was so disheartened 
I was so broken at that time that I just stopped going to court. I had more court dates. I had more. And that was a mistake on my part, you know, because, I, I again, I didn't have any I didn't have a lawyer to tell me, no, because they'll still make a judgment, even if you're there or not. It yeah, doesn't matter. If you're yeah, there, yeah. Really. But but my but my vantage point, I was thinking like the child support already figured out she lied. They stopped taking money from me. They're actually paying me money or they're paying back my debt like every month 150 came off my debt because she was supposed to be paying me because because i had this debt that it just came from the debt you see what i'm saying so that was already taken care of and i kind of felt like you know what this is a waste of time i actually don't care about this piece of paper saying i have because mind you i never i never started with this but i was only going to court to get 50 50 custody on paper i wasn't going to court to have full custody it was only 50 50 even though i was having him full time i was only going to court to get 50 50 on paper and they were still making that a hard day given my history of always having 50 50 custody it didn't matter and so yeah I, i think that for sure children need um to be considered during this if 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 you find yourself um, you and your co-parent in a situation where you know there's a lot of turmoil don't don't be so ignorant to think that doesn't affect your child in any way um, it absolutely does. Dope Black Podcast. Hi, this is Lenny Henry, and I want to let you know about my new children's book, The Book of Legends. Join Bran and Fran on their huge magical adventure as they enter a portal into a whole new world in bookstores on the 13th of October. So obviously with Dad's evoking change, I mean, I know it was set up, you know, in memory of your son who tragically passed away. Um, I mean, in terms of support with your within the organization itself, so for dads that are going through a similar set of circumstances to what you experienced when you did, what kind of support does Dads Evoking Change provide to fathers in that respect? Absolutely. So, uh, you know, a couple of weeks after my son passed, uh, obviously that changed the whole trajectory of my life. I was not not in a great place. And um, to say the least. And so I was really just trying to I was I was thinking in my mind because I have I worked in nonprofits for about five to six years. I worked at a lot of different nonprofits throughout the Bay Area, Um, really, as it uh, pertained to music production. I I taught music production and later on radio production um, to young people. And um, so when my son passed, you know, my son was about 12. I taught him music production. He had been playing piano and playing instruments since he was five. And so he really gravitated to like music production mm-hmm. and really took to it. So when he passed, I was thinking like, well, you know, what can I do uh, with life? And I just thought, you know, let me let me create something that that takes his name and keeps it alive here in this physical realm. Um, so I was thinking about doing a music program because my son, that was my son, was really into music. And so, you know, I thought about that for a few days and then I started thinking, you know what, I can probably do something a little bit more meaningful. Like there's a there's a lot of great music programs that already exist here in the Bay Area. You know, I, I like I said, I worked at a lot of them. Um, and so I said, you know what, after going through the courts, I want to create an organization that helps fathers navigate this court situation. Because mm. I felt if I would have had certain services and certain things that were available to me, pro, uh, available to me pro bono, my son wouldn't have passed. Because eventually what happened is just to close out the story. Since I stopped going to court, they gave my ex-wife full custody. They gave my ex-wife full custody. She changed his school from around the corner from my house to around the corner from her house. Mm-hmm. And so long story short, my son started going back to spend time with his mom 
during the week because the school it, it, he was waking up at like 5 a.m in my house and having to drive like an hour and a half to get to his school so he started going to spend spend time at his mom's house again his mom doesn't really have full control of that situation so he's sneaking out of the house and ended up in the wrong place at the wrong time so if i believed in my in my in my, I, in my mind if my son was with me like my son would have never snuck out of my home those type of things you know he, he, he just wouldn't it didn't those things wouldn't even cross my mind to happen and so he passes you know i'm, I'm obviously my, my world is over and so I'm just thinking like how can I create something not really thinking too much of it but just thinking like how can I create something to make me want to live honestly it was kind of a selfish thing and how can I create something to help other fathers and so I came up with dad's evoking change as my, my son was Damani Elijah Chadley I came up with dad's evoking change to use his initials and I said I'm gonna create a service that's gonna help fathers and that's really all I did um, I, I, I filled out the nonprofit form I, I, I registered for the web domain and then it was too heavy. I had to, I had to stop. And so for a year, two weeks after my son passed and three days after my son's funeral, I was gone. I left the country and just traveled. I went to five countries in Europe. I went everywhere. I went to like 10 different countries. I ended up in Mexico, in Tulum, Mexico. And that was the first time to live and so that's the first time I had sat down with that pain and just sat because before like I said I was just traveling and it was, I was using it as kind of a crutch to like just keep my mind off of the pain and the turmoil that I was going through so I created this organization but didn't really so I, about six seven eight about eight months later I end up in, in Mexico to live and I sat down and that's when I really like I had to start therapy I had to really mind body soul taking care of myself getting back to the point where you know i was i was able to to um yeah to do life and wanting and wanting to do life and so that's the point where i really said okay i got this i got my domain name i still didn't have my nonprofit status yet but i said okay let me build this website so i really took time months couple months made the website what it is then i was flying back to the bay area this was prior to COVID. I was flying back to the Bay Area in order to form my board and to form the people that were going to eventually be help me create this programming. So the first set of programming that I knew I had to create was free lawyer consultations, free legal advice, because every time I would go to a lawyer, they'd, they'd advertise free consultations and I would call them. And, you know, it'd be a, about a half hour of me just telling the story that I just told. And at the minute 27, they're like, OK, really, you're going to need to hire me, though. For me to help you yeah so that was the consultation that mm -hmm. was the pretty i mean you're a lawyer you, you know yeah I know, so I know how these things in america yeah. in america yeah. that's how the consultations were going and so i the first thing i said i need to create free lawyer consultations so i scoured my resources i scoured my network got connected to a lawyer long story short she became my first board board member she was very instrumental in being able to create this program because i'm telling her hey this is what i want to do and she's telling me what we can really do legally yeah Okay, great. So that's the first program I formed, free legal consultations. We started off virtual. We started off during the pandemic, so it was all virtual. We now hold um, a virtual space once a month, as well as every week we have drop-in hours. Every Tuesday from three to five, fathers have the opportunity to come sit with a lawyer, get mm. help with paperwork, amazing. get a step-by-step -step game plan from A to Z. Okay, you need to form the F... First, you need to form, uh, fill out FL300. You need to get the X, the other party served. You need to get X, get your text indicted, like a step-by-step -step playbook on exactly the steps that fathers need to take. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. So that was the first program yeah. that I said, this, is, this needs to happen. 
The second program that I created, this needs to happen, co-parenting counseling. Again, I did not create an organization to be anti-mother. I created an organization to be pro-family. I know for those 12 years when me and my ex-wife were on good terms, my son thrived. My son, he thrived. You see what I'm saying? And so mm -hmm. I know that this is needed. I know that not enough times. So I, I just, I just, I just pick up from, um, so, th so the second program that we created at Dad's Evoking Change was free co-parenting counseling because I'm a firm believer that when the, when the parents, no matter what the relationship looks like between the parents, when two people can come together and really act towards the betterment of their children, mm -hmm. the children thrive. Absolutely. So I created a free space. It's virtual right now. Um, we're holding a virtual free co-parenting counseling. Mm -hmm. Mothers or fathers can sign up for this program. It's one of our programs that is not gender specific. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, it's usually like 70% moms that reach out to us for that. But we're working with the dads through the mom, so that's great. And again, we're working with the family unit because at the end of the day, what's really crucial to me is that kids in our communities grow up more whole, mm. more productive, more happy, and having input and influence and love and unconditional love from both sides and all sides of their family. Mm -hmm. That's my goal. Yeah. My son, what happened to him? It's a extreme. It's mm. a very extreme. I know that, right? But there's littler circumstances that happen every day. Mm -hmm. A little girl um, whose mom and dad don't get along, doesn't get to see her dad for two months. What happens during those two months? What mm. are the feelings that live in her body for the rest of her life mm. because of that? What are the feelings when a, a, you know, a son doesn't get to see one of his parents because they're in turmoil and one of them moved to Texas and one of them lives in California? Mm. And the, the mom is like, well, it's cheaper in Texas. So it's better for my son, but moving your, your child away from the other parent, is going to have long-term emotional, yeah. uh, emotional yeah. circumstances, mm -hmm. right? So that's the second one that we came up with, co-parenting therapy, to provide a space for fathers and mothers to get on the same page. And for real, because they say that in court, they say, well, what we're doing is the best interest of the kid, mm. but it can't be the best interest of the kid if you're telling the, the one parent gets to see them every other week, but they just got to pay $500 a week. So that the other parent can feed and clothe them. Yeah. So there's a, a co-parenting counseling. Yeah. So there's a, there's a there's a bit of an imbalance. It's a disconnect. Yeah, and I, and I think it's it's really good. I mean, I, I've I've looked at your website. I think it's amazing, and I think you know the work that you're doing is extremely powerful because ultimately, you know, there there is a reality. You know, fathers and mothers sometimes are not going to be able to coexist and not going to be able to stay together. And when you've got children involved you need to find a way to kind of break through all of that and unfortunately sometimes it does result in you know courts having to be involved and it's important for fathers just as well as it is for mothers to know how to navigate the system and i think what we find here in the uk a lot of the experiences that a lot of the fathers i've spoken to is that they find it to be quite challenging they find it to be quite alienating they find it very nerve-wracking how to kind of tackle the system because there isn't really things here that are in place that will allow them to be like oh okay cool i understand what i need to do so i think something like the the free legal consultation i think that's amazing because it's just it sets people up in the right way and it gives people that bit of hope in a way because it's like somebody who knows the system has listened to you and have understood what you're saying and they're telling you right this is what you need to do obviously if it needs to go deeper you may need to pay but for, for now 
this is what you need to do. And I think that's an amazing thing that you're doing. And it's obviously, in a way, you know, it's it's a tragedy, of course, losing your son in the circumstances that you did. But from his death, it sounds as if a very, like an amazing thing has grown from that in terms of what you as a person are able to kind of give back to society and to the black community and black fathers in general, you know, in, in the Bay Area and, and, and beyond. And I think, you know, it's, it's, it's commendable to hear that, that, you know, through the pain, you've kind of, you've, you're given inspiration and hope to other fathers that may find themselves in a similar situation to what you found yourself absolutely and and you know like um you know every 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 day that i sit in to the the um free lawyer consultations as the fathers come in i greet them what are you going through oh, i'm going through this oh man i understand that's terrible i'm sorry to hear that and you should see the look on the father's eyes because nobody has said that to them. even just validating their experience nobody in the process has done that to them. anytime they go to any organization that's there to help fathers. They're treated very coldly, very like, just like hurry up. We actually are the only service in California that provides what we do, which is sad to say, but I'm glad that we are one of the first to bring this into the light. And again, if, my, if I can use my son's story again, this is an extreme, right? But if I can use this story and there is shed light on this big program, because you know, as human beings, unfortunately, it takes something very shocking for us to even pay attention. Now, when I say, oh, I created this organization, we do X, Y, Z, nine times out of 10 people say, oh, I know 10 fathers right now that are going through that. I know, I know, I know six people right now that are going, everybody knows somebody who's going through it. It's not like, oh, this is a random thing. Like people are going through Absolutely. this every day. And they just I don't know. I think there's a yeah. stat. Yeah, they just we just don't know. We don't hear it. Or we just write them we write those fathers off as deadbeats. Mm. Instantly. Mm. Mm. So I want to be a part of creating change. So part of what we do is create programming. Like I mentioned, the free legal consultation. I mentioned the co-parenting therapy. Mm -hmm. We have a young fathers program where it's really geared towards 18 to 25 year old fathers. Now this is a stipend program. Fathers get paid up to four hundred dollars for a six week program to come learn childhood bonding co-parenting the beginning like navigating family court 101 and things like this and so it was really another another uh, big leg of what we do is create media pieces so we yeah. just worked on a documentary that follows the trajectory of a couple fathers that are navigating the system right we want to be a part of the change because i think the more these stories get out there the more people hear the real of what's going on i think the um, society can start looking at at least like oh maybe we should kind of maybe we're we're looking at this as a kind of outdated type of thing like these all these systems in america were created in the 70s in the 70s the family dynamic in america looked a lot different the man was the big breadwinner mm. the, it was more um uh, it, it was more uh, common to see a mom who was a stay-at-home mom in 2022 this doesn't this is not the case nah, anymore, not right? our family dynamics look look totally different now and so we, we have to start understanding right that like some of these systems that we created that, that are great right it needed to happen in the 70s where they created this and now we might need to sit back and look at this now and say are do we are we coming up with structures and systems that are um related to this time and what's really going on in the families that we're serving right so um again a, a, a big part is a changing the narrative and then three is changing the way california deals with child support so we are part of um a big group in california here that lobbies um to congress to change the way 
that child uh, child custody is 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 split because there are states right now like Arizona and Louisiana that have automatic 50-50 custody. It doesn't matter. Two parents go in, it's 50-50. Mm. Now, if there's drugs or if there's violence or if there's things that are, you know, that have to take away from that, then they'll go from there. But it doesn't start with, okay, we're going to give one primary parent and then the other one visitation. We don't want that to be. We want we want California kids to have a 50-50 opportunity to spend Mm. time with both parents and all of their loved ones and their family. So this is kind of a three pronged approach that we're taking more long term change. It's more you know, obviously, um, uh, um, more long-term goals. Um, the programming aspect is happening right now. We're on the ground. We're helping fathers. Um, and then the piece about the media, creating media pieces is, is ongoing as well. So we have a podcast for Pops right now, uh, a monthly podcast. Uh, and it's basically about creating a space for co-parents to come talk, parents to come explain their situations and their stories, um, as well as, like I said, producing documentaries and other social media um um, uh, uh, intellectual property mm-hmm. that will kind of start showing fathers in a different light and showing fathers um, and not your like your stereotypical light mm-hmm. just throwing the football with their son or like we want to show d- dads at the doctor's visits we want to show dads at the PTA meetings mm-hmm. or p- parent teacher uh, meetings um, mm-hmm. for, for those across the pond so this is really what dads evoking change is about uh, you know you know one day soon we will have a physical center in Oakland, California, with wraparound services, everything from therapy, you know, therapy for the parents, therapy for the kids, um, a place where dads can go who are just coming out of prison, a place where dads can come and have visitations with their kids, um, free the legal piece, right? The lawyers will be on site, mm. being able to provide help with paperwork, and so this is um, this is this is all you know a combination of our efforts right now um, to create a, a, a physical center. Uh, with wraparound services and that's coming in the next couple of years so you know I've, I've been i've been very grateful um and the organization has really took off you know immediately after getting my nonprofit organization i was able to galvanize um some pretty significant seed funding for the organization which allowed me to instantly launch programming and instantly hire people and stuff like that so it's been a blessing um again this came from tragedy for me this came from you know i lost my life i lost everything that was yeah, important of course of course and so I, I i you know moving forward this is this is my life's work this is what i do if i can create um uh, uh, um uh, an opportunity for other fathers to have a different scenario I, that makes me feel really great about myself and i and i hope my son is proud of me and what i'm doing and and, and everything that i'm doing in his name but i i you know, it's it's something that's um, I'm very passionate about and has become my life work. Yeah, I mean, that has certainly and I'm sure, you know, for our listeners, when they hear this podcast, that has definitely come across throughout this, you know. And again, like you said, out of tragedy, something positive and beneficial to black fathers in your area has come about. And I think this is going to, you know, to me, it sounds like this is something that is a template that could be and should be replicated not just across you know the u.s itself but i think certainly you know i could certainly see something like this taking off in the uk and kind of having those those opportunities and i think it's fantastic that you've had that support from people as well you know being able to get the funding in place to be able to hire other people and the presence that you have on social media your website the podcast that you're delivering the fact that you are you know hopefully within the next couple of years we'll have a center a physical space that people can actually come to see and uh, yeah please keep us in the loop because i would love to be there when you guys 
uh, open the center officially because I think you know this is oh, something. Oh yeah, you you got the yeah yeah you know for, for me sure you, I, you'll be at the red you'll be at the red uh, ribbon cutting event for sure. Yeah, no, hundred percent because I think this is something that we certainly here in the UK could do with looking at how this actually works in practice and kind of you know just from what you said you know I think there's a lot of potential there for something similar to be replicated over here you know I've not heard of an organization like that in this country you know the things that you do so it's not just about providing that service to people in terms of okay hearing what fathers are going through acknowledging what they're going through and kind of having that understanding, being empathetic towards their situation, putting them in the right direction in terms of how the law works, giving them, you know, training, you know, uh, for, for various things. It's amazing. My brother, it's amazing. You know, and, you know, my hat's off to you. If I had a hat, I would take it off and kind of salute you. But I think what you have done is amazing. And especially because it's come out of tragedy. So, you know, for a lot of people, no one would have blamed you if, you know, the death of your son, who was your entire world, is something that would cause you to be like, okay, do you know what? I'm just going to do what I need to do, go on a day-to-day. But actually, you've taken that and you've built something magnificent. So, as I said, whenever the red carpet is ready, let me know. We'll be booking some flights and coming over because, uh, yeah, we need we need to see this and we need to have more of this. Um, yeah, we just need to see more of this, brother. Brother Omar, I appreciate you. Yeah, man, I, I, again, I've just been um, so grateful for the opportunity to actually affect change. I think that, you know, out of tragedy can come some of the, you know, it, you can you can you can grow a, a rose from concrete, so to speak, as, as we say in America. Um, and, you know, to all bereaved parents out there, you know, I, you know, this is a, this could be a whole nother probably episode. But, you know, my heart goes out to anybody that's lost um, a, a child because it's, it's definitely the most. Um, it's the most transforming experience that you'll ever go through. And somebody told me pretty recently after I lost my son, Hey, you won't always feel like this. I didn't, I didn't see how that was possible. Um, you know what I mean? But as I get to different parts of my healing phase and my journey, um, I'm just grateful that I was able to, you know, um, take this opportunity and create something that, um, hopefully will affect change throughout our communities. Um, and hopefully worldwide one day. So thank you so much for having me on. I definitely uh, appreciate you. it. I, uh, I want to send um, everybody who's interested to get more information on the organization, please visit the website, dadsevokingchange.org, dadsevokingchange.org. Please check us out. Um, check out all our programming, how you can be involved in the change. Um, Again, we are trying to do something that, that that's not been done here um, in the States before. So um, this is a new initiative, but I think it's, it's, it's quickly galvanizing a lot of support of the people. And like I said, just check out Dad's Evoking Change. See how you can get involved um, with our mission and what we got going on. And again, Omar, Umar, I definitely appreciate you uh, having us on today. No, absolutely. And thank you so much, Kareem, for sharing your story and sharing what I, you know, as you say, is an unbelievable organization and the things that you guys are doing in such a short space of time and the way that it was curated and how it's kind of come about is amazing and you know we will definitely be keeping a close eye and i know you know you mentioned dadsevokingchange.org we'll put the links up as well uh so you know you can click on it from the podcast you can go straight onto it you know the website is amazing you'll get so much information you'll be able to see their the podcast that they've got going on the resources that dads evoking change have as well for those of you that are listening out in the bay area if you're finding yourselves in that position 
please go on the website, get in touch with the organization. They will help you. You know, they're there to help you. So don't feel like you need to suffer in silence. If you're going through these issues, you're going through these problems, get the help, get, you know, get, get that resource. It's there. It's ready for you. So just kind of make use of that. But brother Kareem, thank you so much for taking the time to speak to us uh, and speaking to our listeners and viewers. And really, you know, I hope for those of you that have listened and have watched this podcast that you've definitely taken something away from this, whether it's uh, a source of inspiration uh, through the story that Kareem has told us or a sense of actually we need to do more to ensure that black fathers also get the right level of justice that they need when it comes to any issues to do with their children. So, friends thank you very much for listening um take it easy and we'll be back very soon with another podcast bless hi this is lenny henry and i want to let you know about my new children's book the book of legends join bran and fran on their huge magical adventure as they enter a portal into a whole new world in bookstores on the 13th of october dope black podcast Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.